Hello, this is Aerial Talk Time, episode 147. I'm Victoria Lynn Weston, your host. I'm an entrepreneur, intuitive business consultant, the founder of Aerial, and I'm the CEO of Studio Carlton. We're producers and developers of custom Amazon Alexa skills. So if you're looking to engage your audience, expand your audience, and further entertain your audience, now is the time for you to get your products and services on Amazon Alexa. Check out StudioCarlton.com and explore some of our work. If you're looking for a little motivation today, a little inspiration, maybe a little kick in the butt, you're going to love my conversation with my guest, Darcy Loma. More than a woman with an impressive resume, but I'll tell you, you know, she's worked on presidential campaigns, enjoyed a lengthy career working with a senator, but she knew she wanted something more. I call it intuition. That nudge, but tells us to explore something different. She's a woman of conviction. She found her passion and that she wanted to become a life coach. She invested the time, the education, and the money to becoming a certified master life coach. Today, she has an abundant company. They've talked thousands and thousands and thousands of hours with executives, corporations, to guide them where they were looking for strength, looking for motivation and inspiration. Let's go connect with Darcy Loma and learn about her and her work. But more importantly, learn about her awesome book, Thoughtfully Fit, published by HarperCollins. Darcy, it's a pleasure to have you here. And you are a certified life coach. But what's really intriguing about you, especially today, because you know I'm just a life coach on every corner, um, you are a master certified life coach. And how did you go about getting that type of certification? Oh my gosh, years and years and years of studying and hiring supervisors and mentors and sending in recordings. Um, it, it sounds like you have an idea of a lot of, as you said, life coaching, they're a dime a dozen. Anybody can put a website up tomorrow and say they're a life coach and to become a master certified coach with the International Coach Federation. It's a, it's a very high bar. And, uh, it, it took me years and thousands of hours of coaching to get there. And I imagine thousands of dollars in the process. You got it. That's right. <laughs> well, I think that's really exciting. I mean, that, that sort of thing stands out to me because it's always about the education, the training and who the mentors are. And a lot of people can, you know, be okay at a, at a general life coach. But I, if it's me and I'm a professional, I want to go to the best. I want to go out there and find someone and like you. And, and so I think that's, you know, it's very powerful that you have spent all that time learning about that. But before I get into the career and your awesome book, which I'm going to say is, titled so well, it's Thoughtfully Fit, Your Training Plan for Life and Business Success, which is published by HarperCollins. Congratulations on that as well. Thank you. Let's talk about you and your personal goal and what were you doing before you became a master certified coach? I had spent, (laughs) Victoria, the majority of my career of 10, 15, 20 years in in the political field. So I was uh, working for a couple of presidential campaigns, doing national advance. I worked for a U.S. senator for 12 years running his office. I worked for a governor. And uh, when I went to get my master's degree, I went to Pepperdine University. I ended up doing my master's thesis on coaching. And I was hooked. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I'm so passionate about this. And that was the beginning of the the pivot to my uh, changing careers out of politics. 
That's fascinating. So did you have like an intuitive flash or maybe that aha was when you were reading about life coaching in general and being able to help people? Did that sort of like sort of give you that rush or that insight that it was intuitive based? Well, I would love to say it was, but I I didn't trust myself enough <laughs> to notice that intuition, right? And be able to have the courage to follow it. So how it happened, ironically, is when the the U.S. senator that I was working for, he announced he wasn't going to be seeking re-election. And so I hired a life coach to help me navigate what my transition would be. And my friends, my colleagues, my family, everybody, myself included, thought I would stay in the political field. And my life coach asked me, what would you do right now if in 10 years you looked back and had no regrets? And that was the best question ever. And I immediately answered, I'm like, I would start my own business. I would become a full-time coach and keynote speaker and consultant, creating high-performing people and teams. But almost as immediately, as quickly as I, as I said that, uh, <laughs> Victoria, those, that inner trash talk that, that, yeah. <laughs> you know, that started like, well, you can't do that. You're the sole breadwinner for a family of four. You need health insurance. You need a salary. So my coach helped me work through all of those, those obstacles and those hurdles to be able to launch my business. So when you did this life coaching, you consulting with the life coaches, did you have to like talk on a daily basis? Did they have, did they give you assignments where you had to assign, you know, do some homework and all that sort of thing as well? Yeah. So I've, I've hired a lot of life coaches in my life and each one has a little different process and structure, but generally speaking, you talk on a consistent basis, weekly, bi-weekly or bi-monthly. I never remember every other week. Um, and at the end of every session, there is some homework. There's some intentional action items that you commit to that move the ball forward between now and that next coaching session. And indeed, that's what she helped me do is start to uh, chip away at some of those obstacles to figure out, okay, if I really did want to start a business and become an entrepreneur, what what would that look like? Where would I get health insurance? What would my business name be? And, and all of those things. So that my last day with the Senator was January 2nd, 2013. And on January 3rd, I launched my full-time business and I'm not quite at 10 years yet, Victoria, but I will tell you, I have no regrets. Well, how did you juggle changing, you know, the career and then juggle being a, the, the breadwinner of your family and then can, and doing all that studying? I mean, that had to have been a bit of a oh, challenge, right? I mean, I'm sure you got, yeah. you know, overwhelmed at least once. <laughs> you have no idea. Yes. I mean, I, I, absolutely overwhelmed. And I didn't have very good discipline and boundaries uh, for self-care. Um, so I had two young daughters and I was doing my thesis, my master's working full-time launching a business. I was blessed because my, my husband was a full-time stay-at-home dad. And so he handled all the groceries, the cooking, the kids, the dentist appointments, the driving to gymnastics, all of that, which really helped me then to focus on my business and my, and earning my credentials. Hi, before we get back to our conversation, I wanted to share a little bit about the benefits of you taking your company, your products, services, and even your book and engaging in a conversational manner on an interactive voice-activated platform like Amazon Alexa via Alexa Skills. To be competitive in business 20 years ago, you needed to have a website. 
Well, today, Amazon Alexa skills are an essential business tool that provides an opportunity for you to rise above all the noise of the digital world and engage your audience in a rich, interactive platform. The sky's the limit of what you can do with an Amazon Alexa skill. You can create a revenue stream and offer exclusive content. You can send text messages to your users with web links back to your website. You can stream audio and video and much, much more. So drop me an email, victoria at studiocarlton.com, and check out a sampling of our work at studiocarlton.com. Now let's get back to our great conversation. Did you have to make a big investment to segue from working in the politics into launching, you know, your career as a master certified coach? Yes, I, I did. Um, and, and I'd say from the time I, I went to get my master's in 2004 and I didn't launch my full-time business until 2013. And so I had a long lead time. So over those really those nine years, I was getting certified not only as a master coach, but also in organization and relationship systems coaching, uh, in organization development and building slowly. I formed my LLC. I designed my website. So when I was at the point and, and I was, I was basically building my business slowly and as a side business, when I got to the point where my coach helped me decide to go full time, I had this strong foundation that I was already standing on. So then at that point, it became uh, my primary goal to have an anchor client so that I wouldn't be fearful that I didn't have the ability to, you know, fill, meet my obligations financially from month to month. Well, if you didn't have that anchor client in that, would you have been terrified to go out and, and explore the unknown? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not many people get that anchor client, Darcy. I mean, so that to me is a pretty good gift. So who was it? Was it like the politician that was leaving, you know, politic? You know, was that your anchor client or was there like a new executive that you were quasi friends with? That's a big <laughs> risk for that anchor client to do that investment as well. Yes, indeed. And so it was a nonprofit organization based in Madison, Wisconsin, which is where I live. And I had worked with them in my role of, for the for the senator. And so there was a, a, a comfort level, a relationship, a trust. I had credibility. And so I think on both of our parts, it, it didn't feel like such a, a big risk. And so for this executive director, she really wanted to put some investment in not only her own hiring me as an executive coach, but also doing some systems and team coaching and some focus on the culture. And so it was a year long contract and, and you're right. I mean, I still was scared launching my own business, but nowhere near as fearful as I would have been if I didn't have that phenomenal client who trusted me. Well, how do you keep yourself motivated and inspired today? I mean, it takes a lot, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm doing similar yes. things and it's like every day I got to find, I got to find that buzz. I got to find that passion to, you know, keep the drive going. So what is, what is your, yeah. how do you do it? I, well, what's interesting. I, I love what I do. Our, our whole company is built around creating high performing people and teams. We solve people problems and I am so passionate about it. I never had that like in the bones passion for politics. So there I had to work hard to figure out how do I keep myself motivated here now doing what I do. 
I just can't get enough. I'm just constantly reading new research, new articles, investing in my own coaching to be keep on improving myself, going to get additional certifications, have hiring mentors. I, right now, it, it's actually really easy to stay motivated because I love what I do. That's great. So who is your ideal client today? I mean, you were, you mentioned a company in that, but do you work with just individuals or executives? I would imagine primarily in that. And so who is that? And then do you work primarily one-on-one in Madison or do you do remote, you know, via zoom consultations? Yep, we do. We do. uh, We work, our company works both with individuals and with organizations and teams, and we work locally as well as nationally. And the and certainly with with covid people's comfort level we we always did uh, yeah. <laughs> engagements virtually but with covid people are much more comfortable doing zoom uh, and we have all the technology to make it engaging and interactive with obs and ecam and mentimeter and all the different things so if we are working with individuals that is i have a, a team of six coaches we do life coaching as well as executive and leadership coaching and then we're working with teams and organizations as well doing team assessments and team retreats. And we do a lot of training around communication, conflict, building a high performing culture, increasing trust. And then I do also a lot of keynote speeches at different conferences, association events, uh, where they want some you know, message that is inspiring and motivating and educational uh, as well. And I, and all of that is based in my thoughtfully fit model. I was about to ask that. Cause you know, before you went on that, uh, uh, little, little talk about it, cause you mentioned the word we, and then, you know, I thought, well, gee, who's working with you. And then you said you actually have a team. So you actually have a team of people, the six people that you hired to work with you. Now, how did that happen? Did you go out and find six people, <laughs> you know, like all at once, or did you gradually have one person, this person, and then do you pay these people a salary? I mean, this is, cause you're, you're getting into, you know, the million dollar range here. <laughs> yeah. So how that happened uh, is so in 2013, when I launched my business, I told my husband, all right, the research shows that 80% of businesses fail in the first two years, right? An entrepreneur. So I'm going to really go gonzo. I got his support, my daughter's support. And two years in 2015, I had built a very robust, successful business where I realized like, yikes, now I've got a different problem. I'm overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. So I hired a business coach uh, to help me do some strategic planning. And we decided that the best model for me would be to build out my team. And so what that looked like is I've got, I've got five employees and then the coaches uh, are six, six coaches are actually subcontractors. And he helped me strategically design that. He said, if you, uh, if the, if, if the world, you know, the economy goes south, you don't want to be in a position where you have to pay all these salaries and you're stuck. Um, and then you have to lay off people. And, you know, he said, if you design it right, it's sustainable for the long term. And indeed, that's what I did. So in January of 2016, so we spent all of 2015 getting really clear, right, filling out the RFP. Uh, and what what did we what were we looking for in in building out that team of coaches? They had to be certified. They had to do a sample coaching session with me and had to also have the right fit, the right chemistry. And so January of 2016, we launched, we had a two day retreat with the new team and that all at once, we went from, from me being a solopreneur to having a team of coaches. Very good. 
going back on your, your main client and is that male or female? And what do they come to you mostly about? I mean, they come to you because they're, they're changing careers. They come to you because they, they're going through a phase of low self-esteem or their numbers aren't up in the sales department. And then show me, or tell me rather, um, how you help them over a specific hurdle and what the result was from that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you'd like, I'll, I can focus just on the individual. We also have organizations that that come to us who oh, want sure, to really sure. shift their culture. But if we're looking just on that B2C side, generally speaking, Victoria, there's, there's two driving forces that would bring someone to reach out. One would be they have a vision of what they want for the future, but they, they don't know where to start. They don't know how to go about it. They don't know how to address that inner trash talk to, to help them have the confidence to get there. The second main reason, if I overly simplify it, is they they don't know where they want to go, what that future is. They just know that they're stuck. That and oftentimes that ideal client that's coming to me is not somebody who's in a in a disaster. They, they oftentimes will say, Darcy, I have a I have a good job, I have a nice family, I have a nice home, but I'm not really fulfilled. I'm not passionate. And I don't, I don't know. I'm just going through the motions. And so what we will do, regardless of what the starting point is is have them do a, a, a pre-questionnaire that is an opportunity. It's like a pre-assessment for them to do some deep self-reflection on their dreams, their vision, their goals, their obstacles, their past. And they share that with, with me or whoever the coaches on my team prior to an initial discovery session. And at that initial discovery session, they're getting really clear on what are the primary focus areas that they want to accomplish in the coaching? What would success look like if at the end of six months, they felt like this was the best investment that I ever made? What would success look like and what would be the benchmarks on how we would be able to measure it? And then we, we jump in um, to the coaching from there. Well, you sound it, you make it sound so super easy in that, but I know, and you know very well that most people don't have a clue about what they want to do next year on that career or that. So how do you get them focused and inspired to come up with new ideas? I mean, do you get them to just sort of jot down, you know, if they could be anything they want to be that type of thing? Yeah, it's a, such an interesting question, Victoria, because I, I agree with you that m most people don't at, at the surface level, don't, don't know, but if you dig in and create a safe space for exploration and the right questions and the right listening, they do know. People know. People are the expert in their own lives. And if they have permission to dream and to voice what they want and to share their perspectives, they will be able to clarify it. Just like my coach said, what would you do now if you had no regrets? When I came into that coaching with her, I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. My job is ending with the senator because he's retiring. And I could go back into the presidential campaigns. I could go back into nonprofit. I don't know. I don't know. Right. So at the surface, I don't know. But with the right questions and her asking me to dig in deeper and creating that safe space, I did know. I really knew. It just took that uh, that 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 right container for me to be able to figure it out. And so that's what I'm doing with clients. I'm helping to save space 
and a confidential space for them to be able to voice what's in their heart. What's, what do they know that they want for their lives that maybe they don't even know that they know. What kind of tests do you give them though? Not tests, you know, some kind of exercise, I guess, for those that still don't know, because most people still don't know. I mean, they don't know what they want. In fact, I, I go back to Gary Zukov, you know, best-selling author in that. He used to have on his answering machine um, back in the day when they had answering machines, you know, the voicemail on that. And it said, if, it, if the tone, please tell me what it is that you want. And if you think that's an easy question, ponder it. And at the end of the day, <laughs> most people don't know what they want. So I go back to, unless you're dealing with some geniuses in that, people don't. And even in my own sort of consulting, it, it's hard keeping people, you know, sort of, inspired and, you know, propped up because if you're, especially you working with people more on a consistent basis than that, and people, you know, they get down in the dumps, they get discouraged and all that. So what's your go-to method or message mm -hmm. to keep that person again, inspired and to spark that passion because without passion, nobody succeeds. Yes, absolutely. I love that voicemail. That is, <laughs> it is not easy to be able to identify what do you want? And, and it's, that's a powerful question, depending also on where you put the emphasis. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And what do you want? And so depending on where the client is, how you emphasize that question can bring about different answers. And so the process is extremely powerful because with coaching, it's not a one and done. So I don't know if you've ever had the experience, Victoria, where you go to a, a, a workshop, you spend the day there, you go see a great speaker and you're all motivated and excited right. and you get home and a couple of days later it all fades. <laughs> right, yeah. Life takes over, right? You got to get the kids to their haircuts and you got to email, answer your emails. And it, all of a sudden you realize a few weeks later, like, wait, I was inspired. Well, why was I inspired? That's what's really powerful about coaching is what we're working to do in every coaching session is create new awareness and to help the client create new awareness. What do they want? Where are they stuck? What are the obstacles? What does success look like? What if when, when they were at the happiest in their life, what was happening? What helped them to find that joy, right? All these questions. And then at the end of every session, what are you going to do? What do you want to create for your action items? Not for the next year, just between now and our next session. And so there's like baby steps and they say, okay, in the next two weeks, um, and they might say, I, I'm, I want to be more confident. Okay. We don't know what that means. How would you know if you were more confident? What would that look like? Oh, I would have that tough conversation with my boss. Okay. So now we're getting somewhere. How do you want to show up in that conversation with your boss? If it's successful, what would you be reporting back to me in two weeks? And there's designed uh, momentum and support and accountability. And I, I have people all the time, Victoria say, after, for instance, four months of coaching, oh my God, Darcy, I've been trying to get, figure this out for four years. How did I just do it in four months? 
it's because we are consistent and providing that support and structure for you be able to not only identify what you want. And like you said, that might not be an easy question, but then also to have clear action steps and supportive accountability to get that so that you don't just leave the keynote inspired and then do nothing. So now that you have this, this great coaching business up and then you decided you needed something else to achieve. So you weren't happy just being a life coach and, and opening up this fabulous, you know, coaching business in general, where you have other coaches that work with you as well. You spent actually two years writing an amazing book and you actually, in your press release, you say two years of intense research. So I'd like to know what intense research entails on that, that your book thoughtfully fit your training plan for life and, and business success, which is published by HarperCollins and that. So tell me how you went yeah. segued from launching your business and being successful at that as a life coach and doing your inspiring, motivating speeches, which you're very well sought after and, and popular and all that sort of thing. You got into this book. Writing a book takes a lot of energy, as we all know, but you did two years of intense research. What yeah. research did you go to to come up with this book, Thoughtfully Fit? Oh my gosh. Yes. Intense is the right word. So I have coached thousands and thousands of hours, hundreds of clients. And I started to notice that, uh, every client had similar issues. They were bringing to coaching different specifics, different details, different flavor, but they all had like similar problems, similar obstacles. And so I started to categorize in a very systematic way based on what I did in my action research project, you know, 15 years earlier with my master's uh, thesis, an action research project. And what are these obstacles and categorizing them? And we came up with that every client struggles with the same six obstacles, the same six hurdles. Three of them are internal where we get in our own way. And then three of them are external where we get, where we struggle with relationship in relationships with other people. And it doesn't matter if you are a, a, a frontline employee, a manager, an executive, it doesn't matter if you're a chef or a lawyer, these hurdles are what people struggle with. It's what they bring into coaching. And so the thoughtfully fit research that you put together on that, um, you have like, I guess the primary takeaways is like, treat your mind like you treat your body. How do you treat your mind like you treat your body? Yeah, yes, exactly. So if you want to be physically fit, we know you can't just do 20 sit-ups once, once a month. You have to train and practice and be consistent. You can't wake up on Saturday and decide you're going to run a marathon if you haven't been training and practicing. If you tried to, you, you'd be miserable. You'd probably get injured and you, you wouldn't likely be able to even finish. But if you train consistently for that marathon, not only can you do it, it's probably going to be, I mean, for many people, for me, fun. In the same way, if you want to be thoughtfully fit, you need to train and practice. You, you can't just wake up and say uh, somebody is uh, blindsides you and they, they criticize you. You're not going to handle yourself thoughtfully if you haven't trained and practiced to be able to handle yourself thoughtfully when somebody blindsides you and, and, and you know, is, is blaming you or criticizing you. And so at the core of Thoughtfully Fit, so, so there's six practices and there's strategies and they're all outlined in the book. At the core of being thoughtfully fit, 
If you're going to engage your core and train and practice, you're going to do three steps, wash, rinse, repeat, right? Do them over and over. Pause, think, act. So step one, you have to pause. You have to get yourself off of autopilot so that you don't just have this knee-jerk reaction. You get yelled at and you yell back. You get yelled at and you cry. You get yelled at and you shut down. Instead, you get yelled at and you pause and you take a breath so that you set yourself up for step two, which is to think. Our thoughts determine our actions. So if you can start to think and and be aware of what are my thoughts, if somebody yells at you and your thought is what a jerk, what an idiot, and you act on that thought on autopilot, chances are it's not going to turn out well. So chances are you probably lose that job. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Some of those clients come to me too. That's a very valuable (laughs) thing is to pause because we all have that sort of knee jerk, you know, reaction where we, you know, want to immediately respond to something. We do. And here's the great news. If you train and practice the pause on the small stuff, somebody cuts you off in in traffic and instead of like flipping them off, you practice, right? And you train, okay, I'm going to take a breath, pause, think, you know what? Maybe their wife is pregnant. You know, maybe, do I really want to give energy to being angry at that random person? No. And then you act thoughtfully based on the results of step one and two, pausing and thinking, and you just smile and you wave them in and you go about your day. You can practice on the little stuff so that when the big stuff happens, you're ready for it. You're ready for that, that marathon. How does a person, you know, because there's different type of job levels and I'm sure you deal with, you know, like I say, the upper executives, but how does a person like a waitress at Dunkin' Donuts or Waffle House, how do they, what do they need to do in order to get to the next level of being manager? Yeah. One of the things I would, I would say is finding out and doing a pre-assessment, like what are your skills now? And what are the gaps to being a manager? So for some people that I work with, and a lot of people come into coaching because they do want to get to that next level in their career, they might say, oh, my, my gaps are, I don't, I don't have confidence. I don't have good time management. I don't have clear communication. I don't fill in the blank. So, so first thing we would do is find out what are, what are the gaps? What's getting in the way? I think it's the confidence level. I think people that work on, on, in those types of levels, I think that the whole thing that they're lacking probably is the confidence level. So what is like the main little tip you would encourage people to do to boost their confidence? And that applies to anybody across the spectrum. Because people could be in upper management and, and been browbeat by, you know, other superiors and they lose that little uh, confidence they had. So what do you do to build confidence? Mm-hmm. I think that's a big one. There's a lot of people who don't have confidence, even in positions where they've already been promoted and they have a higher degree and higher level. So what are we going to do? Take a look at what oftentimes what's getting in the way of us having confidence. And I've used this term a couple of times now, Victoria, is this inner trash talk that we talk about. It's that saboteur, that voice in your head that is saying it's those thoughts that are saying you, you don't know how to do this. You're not good enough. You can't be a manager. You've never done this before from our surroundings and from our own thoughts, limiting beliefs and thoughts that sabotage us. And when you can become aware of those thoughts that are sabotaging, you can then stop acting on them. So instead you can say, okay, I'm not good enough. That thought, you know what? How true is that? I I am, I am good enough. Or if I'm not, what do I need to do to be able to have the confidence to go from being a waitress to being the, the, the restaurant manager? 
And then you can start to fill those gaps or go have the conversation with the owner and say, Hey, I'd really like to be on a path for, to become the manager. How do you see my skills? And what do you think that would take for me to be able to successfully transition into that role? Now, what's the takeaway out of thoughtfully fit? I mean, what's, what's the takeaway? Am I going to walk away feeling just completely boosted and full of energy and inspiration and and passion? There, there's, there is, there is that, but it's also a book that's very concrete. There are in every single chapter we're walking through. If this, if your biggest hurdle is overwhelm and you have a lack of stillness, what do you do? And here's the strategies and how you can, and some tools to add to your toolkit. If your biggest hurdle is you have relationships that don't work, what are the skills and strategies and tools? So it's both an inspirational model that you can say, yeah, I can have confidence. I can do what I want, but also it's very specific in each chapter with tools and strategies, as well as a case study of how have my clients successfully implemented these tools in their own lives. Now, I noticed that you actually have this thoughtfully fit quiz on your website. So I invite anybody to go out there and go to your website, darcyloma.com slash thoughtfully dash fit dash quiz and take that quiz because maybe there's a, a tiny bit of motivation in there for them to, you know, kind of go to the next level by the book and then eventually consult with you and your team on, you know, expanding their own career. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll even give you a, to simplify it, anybody who's listening, if they go to thoughtfullyfit.com, that same quiz will pop up. And if oh, they okay. take That's that easy. quiz, yep, it's a lot easier. Two or three minute quiz that will spit out what is your biggest hurdle? And then what are some immediate strategies that you can apply to start to overcome that so you can build your confidence to be able to clear that hurdle so that you can get that success you're looking for? Now, when you talk about the hurdles and that, I just got to ask this thing, because you make it all sound so easy in that. And I'm trying to say, go take this little test or, and people go take that test and they come up with these, these answers in that. It goes back to having that confidence or the motivation to implement what I just learned on taking the thoughtfully fit quiz, right? Y yes, it, goes it is. back to that high. I mean, maybe it goes back to a little bit of a high. They, take the, they finish the quiz. I mean, I think that's part of it. People go in and take this quiz and they have to finish it. And once they do finish it, maybe they get that little bit of buzz of confidence moving on and then they go to, to the next level in that. Yes. And also I'll, I'll build on what you're saying, Victoria, you're hundred percent right. And a lot of times people are feeling stuck or they're blurry or they're fuzzy and they don't know, ah, I don't know how to get to that next level, whatever it might be. Awareness creates access to new actions. So some people might be like, I don't know where I'm stuck. I don't know why. And they take the quiz and they realize like, oh, I'm lacking endurance. I don't have a growth mindset. I need to add the word yet to my vocabulary. I'm not a manager yet. I'm not a public speaker yet. I'm not a runner yet, but I can be. And if I, if that's what I choose, my goal is, then I can do that. So a lot of times that it really, that's a, the reason I love the quiz is because it helps somebody gain new awareness on what is the obstacle that's getting in the way, because sometimes you don't really know, you just know you're stuck. You don't know why or exactly. where to start. People at the end of the day have to have that passion to want to make a change. And once you have that, then you, you take the uh, thoughtfully fit quiz and then you go on to the next level. But once you have that moment, just that little spark of I want to change, then the rest is easy. Well, absolutely. And, and, and playing on the middle metaphor being physically fit, you know, if somebody's a couch potato and they're a happy being a couch potato, <laughs> I'm not coming in to tell you, you need to run a marathon, like go be happy. You do you. But if somebody is a couch potato and they say, I really want to get fit, 
okay, great. Let's identify what's the starting point. You start where you are. You don't start by say, by signing up for a, a marathon that Saturday. You start by going and buying new running shoes. And the next morning you jog four blocks and walk home. And you just set what is that next benchmark? What is that next goal that is attainable? And that starts to build confidence too, because you start to get some successes under your belt. Absolutely. Well, this has been a wonderful and inspiring and very uh, insightful conversation. I invite everybody to go and take the Thoughtfully Fit quiz at Thoughtfully Fit quiz. Is it thoughtfullyfit.com or Thoughtfully Fit? Just, yeah, thoughtfullyfit.com. Okay, go there. And also just take a moment and learn a little bit about Darcy Loma. I think she's an extraordinary woman. She's had, I mean, I think just to be able to change careers like that, I think it takes a lot of guts and <laughs> a lot of planning. And you did it with, you know, the help and support of your family, of course, but also working with another, you know, awesome master life coach that helped you along the way. So kudos to you and congrats on the book. It, it sounds absolutely incredible. And I think it's much needed. I'm, I'm sure you got some good distribution with the uh, companies. <laughs> oh my gosh. Up companies say, Hey, you need, I need to help with distribute this to your people. Yes. And, and Victoria, thank you. Your curiosity and energy is just uh, magnetic. It, it's fantastic. I've loved the conversation and thank you for the opportunity to join you today. Thank you. And um, I look forward to talking with you again. And Matt, can I just say one more question? So where do you go from here? You, you did the politics and obviously you're successful with that. You mastered being, you know, this master certified coach, not just a, a coach, but launching a business. And I imagine it's, a, it's at least six digit, you know, your business. And then you got this awesome book. So where do you go from here? Because you obviously are a person that likes to create create your life and then achieve that. So what are you going to do? Absolutely. I mean, my and our 10-year vision for my company is that Thoughtfully Fit is a household name. People are flawed and people are tense and people have conflict. And when we can handle ourselves more thoughtfully, no matter what comes our way, we're going to get better results. So to me, I mean, that I'm living into this dream in a big way. How do I get Thoughtfully Fit out there into organizations, into people's hearts and give them the tools to be able to know how to respond because the reality is conflict, adversity, challenges, hurdles, they're not going away. That's the reality of being alive and being human. But if you can handle yourself more thoughtfully in any situation, you can get better results. So that's, that's what's next for me is to continue to bring <laughs> it. Sounds out. great. No, it sounds great. And I agree with you 100%. All right. Well, you have a great day and um, I wish you the best of success or more success to achieve other dreams that you have. Thank you so much, Victoria. I wish you continued success as well. You're awesome. Tune in next time as there's always something new to learn on Ariel Talk Time. If you're a professional lifestyle consultant looking to expand your brand, gain more recognition, or to be featured with an exceptional group of inspiring professionals, join Ariel. Visit Ariel.com.